Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Nick Nurse is telling Van Vliet to get back into the lane, play defense there, because again, just point nine on the shot. Embiid turns, fires for the win, Joel! Embiid and the Sixers take game three here in Toronto. And the crowd is silent. <laughs> That's Kate Scott, a la Abdel Nabi the other night as uh, Embiid hits that last second shot in overtime to win the game. And Ray, I don't know about if you got to see this because I, on social media, looked and the uh, crew over at NBC Sports Philadelphia, uh huh, Jim Lynham. Mark Jackson, Amy Fadula, they had the inside camera. Okay, those are always fun. A little celebration there, Amy. <laughs> and I'm thinking it's mostly you guys thought like, oh, good, we, there's not going to be a double overtime and come right <laughs> on the air. Exactly, exactly. Jim had called uh, overtime early on, and I was like, don't say that, Jim. It's not actually free basketball. It costs us a lot. Come on, it costs us our time. But he was such a cool customer during that. That is a, the video, if you've seen it, is Jimmy is – Everybody that's seen it and done it before, and Mark Jackson is every other person across the Delaware Valley, I think, that just lost their mind. Mm-hmm. Mark couldn't continue. He literally is running around the studio. Luckily, um, <laughs> I could actually air that video because sometimes the videos I take at the end are not airable. They're not so safe for work, but they were, they were all good on that one. But Jim was a, he was cool as a cucumber right there, just said incredible. I've seen the ones with Ray Dittinger dropping all kinds of not suitable for work <laughs> words. We all know we know those, don't we? Well, I I, I, I remember I remember the day of double doink mm-hmm. uh, of mm-hmm. Barrett Brooks actually jumping out of his seat and running around the set when that actually happened. So we've we've all been there for those moments. But Amy. Um, Going into the series, I mean, there was a lot of talk about how the Sixers had played down the stretch, the problems they were having, how they weren't exactly peaking for the postseason, and there was a lot of concern about the about the Raptors because they're they're a good team and the Sixers didn't match up with them particularly well. Um, how did you you know looking down looking down the barrel of it before it began? How tough a series did you think this was going to be for the Sixers? You probably didn't expect them to be sitting here three zero right now. No, I predicted Sixers in either six, and actually I kind of thought maybe seven. I thought the Sixers would pull it out just because at the end of the day, you know, Embiid being who he is is going to be your deciding factor because I thought they matched up a little too well. Um, the way that, that Toronto plays, the physicality that they have and the size, you know, they're just able to throw a lot of different things. And when you go small ball, sometimes that hurts Joel Embiid because they might call a lot of the fouls on him and you don't want him to get into foul trouble. So it was it was concerning, obviously, Nick Nurse, they – they're a very good defensive team, so you didn't think the Sixers were going to be able to put up all these points like they had been doing in the early days of the James Harden trade. It was 
you thought it was going to be a little bit more like what you saw towards the end of the, of the season, which wasn't, as you mentioned, Ray, wasn't necessarily good. They would build these leads and then they would give them right back and either have to squeak out a win over the Pacers or the Pistons, or they would lose those games. And you're thinking, wow, against a better coached, more talented Raptors team, that would turn into a loss going away. So there was definitely some concern. I thought the Sixers, I thought it would go the distance. I thought it would go close to the distance. I did not think that they would solve the Raptors so quickly, but that first game, the Raptors clearly had no answer for Tyrese Maxey, and he was able to do whatever he wanted. He went inside, outside, and then the second game, you know, saw Joel Embiid obviously assert himself, Maxey still, and Tobias Harris, two very solid games out of the gate. So I think that just that three-headed monster, whomever it is, being the third guy to step up has been so huge for them. And been a surprise because the Raptors, they do a lot of junk defenses. I mean, listen, they, they run zone. They, they run a lot of different things. I mean, Jim will talk about how they will run triangle and some box and one and, and things like that. And you're thinking, wow, you that usually stymies the Sixers, and it hasn't. Maybe that week of almost like a mini training camp when the, the play-in games were going on helped the Sixers get a little bit of cohesiveness when it comes to different defenses that are going to be thrown at them because I thought that they answered everything the Raptors had out of the gate. Even when the Raptors kind of came out strong in game two and game three, you're thinking, "Uh uh-oh, Sixers answered, and then they put them away. Um, Obviously, it was a little bit of a trouble spot in Toronto. You knew it was going to be, but 24 turnovers, I don't expect them to have that kind of number again. Yeah, no. You mentioned Tobias Harris, uh, who has had a very good series, and Mm -hmm. he's a guy who certainly gets a lot of flack in this town. I think uh, much of it is related to his contract, right? Mm -hmm. He's it's generally agreed he's not worth the contract he gets, but he's had a very good series and I thought really picked up his play when James Harden came in Mm -hmm. and maybe it's as simple as having a real point guard. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. He's, he's had to change his role wholeheartedly. I mean, he's a catch and shoot guy almost now. And and I don't know that that was always him. I think, you know, he defensively in this series has probably been what I've come away with. He has been, tasked with guarding Pascal Siakam a lot of times, which is not an easy task. He's a guy that's really physical and can move for his size. We all know that. He's a, he's a very adept, skilled, and scorer. So for Tobias Harris to be on him, I think it's pretty good. And so you see what he's been able to do on some of the guys. He's been on Red Van Fleet at different times, but most of the time he's been on Siakam um, and a little bit on um, Gary Trent Jr. But it's it's interesting because you're right, Glenn. I mean, obviously, when you give a guy the max contract, you're expecting him to be consistently good, reliable all the time, maybe a dip here and there, but it's almost been the opposite. Now, last year, obviously, was a really good year for Tobias, and this year he struggled. He struggled out of the gates before Harding got here, and then he struggled when Harding got here. And so I think it's been a learning curve for him, and this whole new role that he's been kind of set up with, I think that he's finally comfortable with it. But it's such a different role for him to be able – to run the court and then find a spot and then look for the ball to be passed to him. And you mentioned having a true point guard. Obviously, you know, with, when Ben Simmons was not here, they didn't have that. Tyrus Maxey was the point guard, and he's a fine point guard. There's nothing wrong with him. But let's face it, he is a better off-ball player. Mm-hmm. No he doubt. does very well with that. So it was different for Tobias Harris all of a sudden midstream. I mean, it wasn't even midstream. And let's face it, it was like almost three-quarters of the way through the season. It was like different. You know, you need to run the floor. You need to find your spot, and James Harden will find you. So I think he's actually, like, coming to his own a little bit, and he's being a little bit more aggressive. I think that's what we've seen from the Sixers as a whole. Joel Embiid is always aggressive. James Harden is always looking for his shot. But Maxi, we saw sometimes, you know, maybe it took a step back, and now he's saying he's going to be super aggressive. And I think Tobias Harris is saying that, too. That's not in his nature. He's not that guy. 
but I think he's realizing that he has to be that guy because you don't know when you're going to get the ball, and he's going to have to go ahead and make something happen because of it. He can't just wait for the opportunity. Yeah, I know that um, down at uh, NBC, there people tease you a lot about uh, about the Kentucky connection. <laughs> Everybody knows that you're a you're a UK you're a UK grad, and you're loyal. You're still loyal to your Wildcats. So there was always a certain um, you. Know, I mean, you always were very fond of Maxie from the time mm-hmm. he arrived, but this year. I mean, my goodness. I mean, I, um, I mean, what you've seen him in, in terms of his development. I mean, the kid is a star. I mean, and you can and you can just see he's just starting out. Um, what fun he is to watch! And I, you know, I always kind of think the measure of an athlete in this town is when you see people walking around and they're wearing his jersey. Mm-hmm. And uh, in the last in the last few weeks, I've actually begun to see some maxi shirts happening around me. And to me, that's a sign that I think that uh, that he's really on his way to becoming a big time player. Yeah, we talk about that. You know, Jim Lynham said it, I think, at the beginning of this year when we saw Maxi kind of take that first step. Um, his trajectory, and I said it, his trajectory is, is no longer like up a hill. It's almost a straight line straight up because he has shown with the opportunity that he can be a star. He, can, he is a star. This guy's going to be an all-star if it's not next year, the year after. Um, but he's just – that's one of the really – nice silver linings of the whole Ben Simmons saga. We would not have seen this from Tyrese Maxey because we would have had a starting starting point guard in the Sixers lineup and you would have not been able to see what Tyrese Maxey could do. I think that his development, he took what his coach said last year, Doc Rivers said, listen, if you remember, he didn't play much in the playoffs and towards the end of the season. He said, listen, I, I, I can't rely on you as a shooter. I need you to improve your shot. You're not a good, you know, you're, you're not taking high volume threes. You're not taking good threes. He was a 30% three-point shooter which was the knock on him in college, in his short year of college. So he did. He raised, I've never seen anybody raise their three-point percentage by over 13 points. He was an over 40, at this point, he's like almost a 45% three-point shooter. But his trajectory now is is perennial all-star, I think. And, and I don't say, I do say that as a homer because I am, I, I did pick him for the Sixers <laughs> draft of 21, and I am completely biased when it comes to this kid. But he is so much fun to watch, and he has the best time. I mean, He's so likable. To your point, Ray, people, I think, gravitate towards him because they like the way he plays on the court. That, that's obvious. But then you see the way that he is having fun, and he always has a smile on his face, and he's just so interested in getting better and learning and being the best he can be for his team. I just think that that really resonates with a lot of people, and they just look at him and think, wow, this kid's going places. And you know, the Sixers, they can sign him to an extension, I think, next year that will tack on, obviously, is one more year of his rookie deal. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if they, they try to max that kid out because yeah. he's just he plays so well on this team and with these guys. I, I would be I would be really disappointed if he wasn't here for oh, for a long time. I, I think he has the opportunity to become a long time mm-hmm. uh, star and legend in this town. We have uh, just two more quick questions. A couple more quick questions we want to ask you. I want to know any inclination on uh, on Embiid's thumb mm-hmm. and what it may how it may impact today's game. Yeah, I mean, that was obviously, we, we noticed when he, he he had that dunk, and then he also had a shot before that, that I see, or a defensive uh, block before that, and you're thinking, uh-oh. And he started grabbing it. We all saw him obviously grab it, and he started, like, shaking it. You know, the reports are that it could be uh, some ligament damage. Obviously, we haven't heard or hear from Doc today. I think he's speaking in about 10 minutes um, on it. We saw him come wrapped up, his, his thumb come wrapped up. Obviously, it didn't affect his shot at the very end of the game. He's been able to play through a lot. I mean, I think for him... It's, it's about getting across the finish line, and that means past the second round. I mean, he's been very, very open about what he wants to do this season. 
and it's no, nothing to do with you know MVP. But I think he'll go. I think he'll go until he can't physically go, and and that's a little bit obviously of a concern because they are going to get past the Raptors whether it's today or Monday. That's happening. You don't want to set him up for failure in the next round where you're going to be without you know the MVP um, in a lot of people's minds. So my my inclination is that he plays if they can give him any kind of you know break. Um, and they don't have to play him the entire game. I mean, he played 45 minutes the last game. Plus, almost all the starters played 45 minutes in the last game, obviously, with the overtime. It would be really nice to give him a little rest. He can get maybe some treatment. But it seems like, and, and we'll have a little bit more clarity, it seems like it's an injury that's going to linger. And he's just going to have to you know, see how he can play through it, whether it's bandaging it up, whether it's you know getting some treatment on it every game, maybe at halftime as well. But, you know, everybody's banged up right now, and you're seeing – some of the superstars across the league getting banged up. And it's disappointing because you want everything to be, you know, everybody to be healthy and it be all fair and square. But I think for him, he's going to go until he physically can't move that hand, honestly. Yeah. Well, it's going to be fun. I, I, I kind of agree with you. If it doesn't end today, I think it will certainly end yeah. the, next, the next game when they come back to Philadelphia. And then on they go. I mean, uh-huh. of, the t- of the teams that are out there, is there one team that you look at and say, yeah, I don't want to take those guys on, or do you think the way they're playing right now, you're you're willing to take on anybody in the East? Yeah, you know what? I don't know that I would have said that before the playoffs started, Ray. I think I would have been like, oh, I don't know, like that Bucks team concerns me. But you're seeing when you, when you watch the other series, you're seeing cracks in the armor. Um, the Celtics obviously are very very skilled, and they've been there before, and we know that they're well coached, and we know all that. But I, that's probably the only team that I would be like, oh, that that one would be a series that would be really pretty strong and but that's already that's if the Celtics get there I mean obviously they're up to no 2-0 it ain't gonna be the Nets Amy come on now it's not gonna be the Nets sidebar I love that they're thinking about dropping Ben Simmons in a series if they're down three like that's insane he's played basketball since June Uh, come on it's gonna be enjoyable for us yeah yeah let's be let's be honest you're right but no I think the Celtics are the only team that I would look at and be like wow because I think they can match up well with the Bucks. obviously there's some injuries with there with Chris Middleton and then the Heat, you know, you, you never really know. They run that zone as well. But the Sixers proved that they can get around it. And the way they're shooting the three right now, if they hit some of those, the zone really kind of becomes null and void. So I, I would hope that um, they could get – I mean, it's been a, over 20 years since they've gotten past the second round. That's really – that's that's the goalpost for me. Like, at minimum, Eastern Conference Finals is just – I just don't see how – they can't. They're playing so well. I don't want it to be derailed. All these years have built up to them. Can you believe it? Us. Over yes, twenty years. I know, and and it can't it can't be stalled because of an beat injury. That would exactly. be that and would be the that. terrible ending to it. Amy Fadul Kane, always a pleasure. You can follow her on Twitter at Amy Fadul NBCS. Uh, you're on today before and after. That's right. One thirty. We have our pregame, and then right after, we'll uh, bring you all the. <laughs> The post-game highlights, maybe a little video from Jimmy and Mark. We'll have to see if they have this one goes. But, yes, of course, we'll be on right after the game and right before 1.30. All right. Remind Jimmy that he's coming on with us tomorrow at 11. I sure will. Thanks, Lynn. Thanks, 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 Amy. There you go. Good stuff. Uh, She's great. Yeah. I've I've really – I've so enjoyed working with her. She's really terrific. Pro. She really is. Yeah. All right. Good. Ah, uh, appreciate that. 215-592-9494. All right, coming up in the next one. We'd like to get some calls in. Uh, this is a good time to do it. Coming up in the next segment, I want to talk to you about the latest guy, presumably on the trade market, that every Eagles fan needs the team to get. Mm-hmm. And actually a very serious story that has come out of Flyers World this week. More 
another bad look for that franchise. Okay. Uh, and whatever else you want to kick in there. Okay. Oh, I got a Ben Simmons thing, speaking of which. We're yes, try to get it all of, of course. Yes, but we'll uh, also talk to the people. 215-592-9494. Ray Dinger, Glenn Mack now, 94. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. WIP. Pressure coming. Garoppolo hit as he throws. A wobbler down the sideline and it's caught. Debo Samuel with the catch and trying to turn on the Jets. He'll take it all the way for the touchdown. Ray, that is one of the most exciting young players in the league, and I am not referring to Jimmy Garoppolo. Mm-hmm. Debo Samuel. Yep. I get no argument here. Almost took him to the Super Bowl. Almost took him to win in the Super Bowl. Yep. Uh, however, he's unhappy. He uh, wants to be traded. This mm-hmm. became public knowledge this week. He is a unique player, Ray, because he's a wide receiver and running back. He scored 14 touchdowns last year, eight of them rushing. Carried the ball 78 times. Averaged 18 yards per catch. It's good inside. He's a yak man, Ray. Yes, he is. Always looking for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, it, uh, of course, whenever anybody... Anybody in the league wants to be traded. There are many people in this town who feel the immediate need to get him. Mm-hmm. The day before, the day, the literally the day before him, story was out that Kyler Murray wanted to be traded, and so everybody wanted Kyler Murray here. Right. And by the way, Debo Sam is a great player. I'm 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 about to tell you why I don't think the Eagles should trade for him. Okay. But he's a great player. But here's there's a couple of problems. One is. The report out of San Francisco, and I don't cover the team, so I can't confirm it, but this is the report, is one of the reasons he wants out is he doesn't like the offense, and he no longer wants to be used as a running back. He just wants to be a wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Part of what makes him a great player, in my mind, is nobody else does what he does. No, exactly. He's unique. If you take that away, doesn't he lose value? Yes. Okay. It doesn't make him, it, you know, it doesn't make him a less than great player, but it makes him less useful in your offense because it limits what he can do. Right. What what makes him one of a kind in today's NFL is that he can be both of those things. I mean, he's the one that he's the one that invented the name for himself, wide wide, wide back. back. Yeah, I mean, he and took pride in the fact that he could be both and was both. I mean, you're talking about a guy who last year. Think about these numbers. He averaged 18 yards per reception mm-hmm. and six and a half yards per rushing attempt. Amazing. I mean, every time, basically every time he touched the ball, he was getting you a first down. Yep. So, and the ability that he's he's both talented enough and smart enough, this is the other part of it, and smart enough to learn two positions and play that well is what makes is what establishes his value. Right. And if he doesn't want to do it, the, again, the report is he doesn't want to do it because running backs have shorter shelf lives and he feels... He's going to limit his career over the years, and that may be correct. I, you know, I can't argue with it. But mm-hmm. so, 
if he is traded and is just traded as a wide receiver, would I love to see him on the Eagles? Of course I would. Of course I would. Sure. Here's my problem with it. Um, one, it's going to cost you two first rounders. Um, yeah, I yes, I do. I right? think. I that. mean, that market's kind of been established, right? Tyreek Hill and all that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Two. Wide receivers have become the hot ticket and are now getting quarterback money. Right. This is a new thing. I mean, the old argument was always like, yeah, oh, you can win with any wide receivers. You got to right. build your lines. You got to get your quarterback, get your pass rush, grab a couple wide receivers. Don't spend a lot of money on wide receivers. That's out the door. Yeah. I never really believed that anyway, but that was, no, the, I didn't that was, that was, that was the thinking a while ago. But it's gone completely to the opposite where wide receivers are becoming the highest paid players in the league. Well, yeah, and um, you know, if you're going to pay that kind of money to Devonte Adams, okay, I get it because he's that good. But what really blew the top off the whole thing was Christian Kirk. Christian Kirk, three, three, good, three at seventy-five. Good player, but I yeah. mean, paying him like a superstar. Yeah, right. If Christian Kirk is going to get twenty-five million dollars a year, Debo Sam is going to get more than that. And if I am the Eagles and I am apportioning my money, I can't do it. I mean, I love the shiny toy. I love the beautiful thing in the window, but it doesn't mean it's the smart thing to get. Right. I don't know if you, you know, I mean, that's my position. I don't know if it's your, if you agree or do. Oh, there, look, Matt Wright is punting on TV. Sorry, I'm watching my favorite punter. Oh, yeah, they're doing a whole piece about <laughs> wow. him. Wow, okay, right there you now. go, Eagles next punter. He's impressive. Oh, I just got uh, distracted by the other shiny toy. Yes. Okay, Debo Samuel, Ray, those are my arguments. Do you want to tell me they're brilliant or not? Uh... I would be more, um, I would be more open to it than you are. I, I, I share your concerns, but I recognize what a special player he is. Now, I, I wasn't aware until you just were telling me the other day about his expressed desire. Now, look, I don't want to be doing that stuff anymore. Again, right? not reports he has confirmed, but reports by guys who cover the team out west. Yeah, but if he doesn't want to do the running back thing anymore, yeah, that changes his impact. Um, but let me offer you this. I, I agree with you uh, that two first-round picks are definitely part of any package you would have to put on the table. They, they wouldn't even entertain thinking about it if you didn't. If I were to say, okay, here's what you could do, and the Eagles are in position to do this. One of your two first-rounders this year, mm -hmm. okay, one of your two first-rounders next year, which you have, and one of your third-round picks this year, of which you have two. Mm -hmm. So give them one of your number ones this year, one of your number threes this year, and one of your number ones next year, mm -hmm. where it wouldn't leave you naked in any of those rounds. You'd still have two first-round picks, one this year, one next year, and you would still have a pick in the third round this year. So, okay. you, so you'd be giving up multiples in each of those categories, and that – might be enough to get it done right. if indeed the 49ers are willing to part with the guy. The 49ers haven't said that they're willing to no, do No, and if I'm them, I just kind of wait and hope that it blows over. But So here's the other part. So let's say, okay, you're ready to make that deal. Mm -hmm. Let's get on the line with Debo Samuel's agent. Hi, Mr. Roseman. How are you? Yeah, listen, here's our offer. Four years, $140 million. Will you take it or leave it? Mm -hmm. I don't know what they'd be asking for. They'd be asking. Well, I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. That's probably a little high. I mean, what did Tyreek Hill get? You know, uh, something pretty close to that. Yeah, and but Tyreek Hill um, is a little bit like 
is a little bit like Samuel in that he plays multiple positions, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but if you have, if you if you ask a guy to do too much, and I think Samuel's probably looking around at, you know, Carolina decided that's what they were going to do with Christian McCaffrey, and now look at Christian McCaffrey. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's hurt all the time. Mm-hmm. So I think Samuel's looking at that and saying, you know, if I if I try if I try to do that, I'm going to have a really short career. So we'll get him a little cheaper. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it's I think everything's negotiable, but I understand people's fascination with him yeah because i mean anybody that saw the 49ers last year knew what a weapon this guy was he's a really good receiver he gets open when he catches the ball in the open field he becomes a running back in a way that other receivers aren't he knows how to run he knows how to break tackles he's strong enough to break tackles but he can also run with with vision and strength inside there's there's really nobody else in the league quite like him i mean he really is and in the hands of a creative coach which i kind of think nick sirianni has shown a little bit of that I mean, he could be a major weapon. You're talking about ways you could try to improve Jalen Hurts. You get him a player like Debo Samuel, your quarterback is going to instantly become better. Mm-hmm. I mean, all of those are reasons to have the conversation. But I think when it comes down to the money and what they're looking for, I just don't think it's going to be a fit, Glenn. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Again, we'd all like it, but I, I, I agree. I mean, you would, uh, I, would, I would explore it. If I were them, if, sure. if it really I'm ma- came... I'm making the phone call, sure. Yeah, I would certainly explore it, but I kind of have a feeling, I honestly kind of have a feeling that it's going to be one of these things that's going to be talked about and it ain't. It just ain't going to happen. He's you think gonna, he's going to end up He's going to be with the 49ers this year. I guess, although it's amazing the guys that are getting traded these days. Yeah, I know. NFL was always a league where trades were few and impact trades, particularly few and far between. A whole lot more now than you used to see. Well, it's becoming more like the NBA. The players can force the issue. Yes. It used to be in the NFL, you, you could complain and stamp your feet, and the team would just say, so what? You're, mm-hmm. you're under contract. Go play. Um, in the NBA, players have been making their own deals for a while now, and it, the NFL is becoming more like that. Yeah. Uh, one other thing I want to talk about is completely unrelated, and it's a rough story that our, our friend Anthony Sanfilippo broke. Really good reporting here. Uh, nice that there's one hockey reporter in town that actually covers the team critically and breaks stories. And the story is there's a lawsuit against the Flyers by two of the longtime trainers, Jim McCrossin, who's been there forever. Very long time. Right, who we all know, and Sal Raffa, who I don't particularly know. But they are alleging in a lawsuit uh, that suing team ownership, I'm going to read Anthony's story here, uh, after receiving similar medical diagnoses that alleged, they allege came from a work environment in which they were unknowingly exposed to cancer-causing carcinogens, basically saying that at the team's practice facility, where the team uh, dumped the junk coming off of the Zamboni for years, for 18 years, exposed them to carcinogens, and they now both have a rare form of cancer. Of course, a lawsuit is a lawsuit and has to be proven. Um, Flyers basically said, we don't think this has merit and aren't going to expound on it because that's just, you know, you don't, you don't, when you're the, when you're the side getting sued, you, you don't say a lot. Right. You just say not true. Uh, so we'll see where the lawsuit goes. Again, very good reporting by Anthony. And regardless, just like another black eye for a franchise that has just got more black eyes than they have eyes. Yeah, it's true. I mean, they, they just can't do anything right on the ice, off the right, off the ice, in marketing, in business. It's, it is the most, the lowest I have seen any franchise 
during my 30-plus years here in Philadelphia. There are teams that are worse in the standings. I mean, the Sixers went through that whole process, but that was their plan. Right. Right? They knew they, they had a sense of what they were doing. Right. Um, the Phillies had some really bad years. I'm not talking recently. If you go back to the, the, the late 90s, the Phillies were dreadful. And the organization wasn't that well run. But this, this Flyers thing, mm-hmm. it's like the the franchise just has managed to make itself irrelevant, uh, unpopular, and incompetent. Mm-hmm. All of those things. Yeah. All of those and things. And this, this story, you know, just kind of points more to problems that they have over there. Yeah. I just thought um, the other night, and it comes on a night when they won, Um <laughs> uh, I mean, I sort of looked in on Flyers Canadians, and I looked at those two teams. Oh, jeez. Hey, they, they won. Actually, they won when they should stop winning because you want them to be, get a better lottery. Right. But, I mean, I'm looking at guys out there in Flyers uniforms and guys out there in Montreal uniforms who, who, just, who just fight out can't play. And that's what these two franchises, two of the, you know, two of the real landmark franchises in that sport, that's what they've been. That's what they've become. I mean, that's what they have become. And I remember, yeah, that's what the Flyers are now. I mean, I, I read um, the story. The Flyers played the Rangers a couple weeks ago and won the game. Uh, and I picked up the New York papers the next day, and all the New York papers wrote about was how embarrassing it was that the Rangers had lost to the Flyers. Mm-hmm. Like they referred to, you know, Rangers lose to flightless Flyers, and mm-hmm. and then the story said, you know, the Rangers. You know, went through the motions and lost to an embarrassingly bad. I mean, that's what the Flyers have become now. I mean, they've become a team that other teams just don't even take seriously. And if they happen to win a game, the other team's r- reporters, it's all about how could you lose yeah, you're to embarrassed. how could you lose to yeah. this team? Yep. That's what the Flyers are now. Mm-hmm. That's what they have become. And you know, somebody who's been following this team literally from day one, literally from day one, um, I hate to see where they are right now, I but. Know. I, and I hate to sound fatalistic, but Glenn, they're in a hole. I don't know how they're going to dig themselves out of it. Well, I know you were upset uh, that you somehow missed the news that uh, when Dave Scott spoke, uh, whatever it was, a month or so ago, he said, like, yeah, Chuck Fletcher's our GM next year. Yeah, I, I, I missed that. I didn't know that. Because I saw a story that was written by Wayne Fish uh, in the Bucks County Courier Times, who's been covering the team since I was covering the team. Um, and he wrote this story about, okay, what are the Flyers going to do moving forward? And it's just, I mean, it's everybody's common. It's assumed that the, the coach is going to go. But there were all these references to, okay, what's Chuck Fletcher going to do to begin to rebuild? What's Chuck Fletcher looking for in his new coach? What's Chuck Fletcher looking for? And I'm asking myself, well, who says that Chuck Fletcher is going to be making these yeah, decisions? They aren't really going to bring him back, are they? And I mentioned it to you, and you said, oh, no, that, that was part of Dave Scott's press conference is that how can you possibly even think about retaining this guy when he's built this mess that you have on the ice every night? Look, clearly the coach has to go, and there's no question the coach is going to have to go. But how in the world can you keep Chuck Fletcher on to make the decision of who the next coach is going to be? How do you have any confidence in that? From- I'll, I'll go higher. How do you keep Dave Scott on? Yeah, I mean, to me, where this team now, is— How do you want to go? To me, the, this team, where they are right now, and as— as backwards and inept as they are in every conceivable area, there's only one thing that you can even think about doing, which is you just got to clean house. I mean, everybody's got to go. By the way, that season's not over yet. Yeah, I know. 
Just keep going and going and going. And, right. and one and one final hockey note. Have you seen what Florida's done since they got Giroux? Yeah. Their record? Yeah. I mean at one point they were like twelve one and one and I don't I and I, I mean Yeah, good might, for him. I mean they might be they might be the Stanley Cup favorite yeah. right now. No. Good for him. Good for him is right. Ray Bork moment. Two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four. Ray did your Glenn Macknow. One more segment and we wrap it up. We hand over the Go Birds guys today. I didn't look at the schedule. Yes, sir. They will be on after us. Rain Glenn on ninety four WIP. All right, last segment today, and uh, before we go to our producer Kyle Quinn, I find out what we forgot to talk about today. I do. I want to rip ESPN and Ray. Not the first time. Uh, no, as be the you first know, time. I believe ESPN is the big evil in sports that is responsible for many of the aspects of the businesses we cover that are deficient these days, mm-hmm. including, by the way, they did a thing with Tom Brady recently. Yeah. This this isn't my rant. This is the warm up to my rant. <laughs> this is the mini rant. They did a thing with Tom Brady recently, um, and they never asked him about. What was with the retirement and the unretirement? And, like, what about the stories that you were trying to go to Miami and maybe take part of the ownership of the team and play there? And what was the thing about Sean Payne? They never asked him any of that. None of it. None, none, none. You know why? Oh, uh, why? Because they got some business deal with him. You know, he does the man in the arena thing with him, them. Right. And he's got some other show that they're going to do, as does Gronkowski. So they can't ask him anything of substance. They have to softball it. Ray, it's evil. But here's the bigger evil of ESPN. Uh, tomorrow, tomorrow you and I are until one, which is great. I love the extra hour. I'd, I'd rather be doing that than whatever else I'm going to be doing. Mm-hmm. Normally, Sundays, we're doing the pregame for the Phillies at 12 o'clock. Right. Not, no, no. Tomorrow happens to be the Fanatics' birthday, Ray. Oh. Huge event. Wait, why did you say that like that? Well, no, I mean, that, that to me is uh, that's incongruous. I mean, the, the Fanatics' birthday should be a day game Ex- so the kids can come. Exactly. Tomorrow is the Fanatics' birthday. I have taken my kids when they were young to the Fanatics' birthday. It's a big event. He either comes down on a parachute or they got the Fanatics' mom. They, they ham it up, and it's a great event, and it's, it's a great thing for the kids. Mm-hmm. The Fanatics' birthday is a night game tomorrow because ESPN said, now, we want the game at night. Move it. Unfortunately, you're not watching my finger with the, the, the dirty, hairy ESPN finger pushing the buttons. Mm-hmm. And that's just wrong. You don't make the the Fanatics game at night, a Fanatics birthday game at night. No, you should. It's unfair to the kids. Not that ESPN cares about the kids. Not that Major League Baseball cares about the kids. It's wrong. I agree. All right. It's an outrage. It is. It's a shame of a fraud of a mouth where you have two shams of... I I kind of wanted to pre-cue you on that. Thank you. You set me up nicely. (laughs) All right. Uh, Let us go to our producer, Kyle Quinn, and find out what we forgot to talk about. And the the first one, Ray, is golden. Yeah. Uh, Well, so we'll start with that one there. I don't know if uh, you, Ray, heard this uh, quote from Ben Simmons yesterday. Ben Simmons finally did speak to the uh, the Brooklyn media, mm-hmm. and the question was more or less, you know, how do you think the fit is going to look like uh, just kind of throwing you in there in the middle of a series, you know, with uh, with uh, Kyrie and KD, and uh, Ray, here's his response. We'll find out. Um, it's a good challenge, but you know, I'm looking forward to it, especially playing with these guys. Um, I think for me, my IQ is so high to, you know, play with guys like Kai and, and Seth and Kev. Um, just watch them. I know how they play. I know how they want to play. 
Um, and for me to just, you know, get them in that spots and, and be a floor general, um, you know, it's exciting. I'm looking forward to it. Marvel at the IQ, Ray. I Marvel. <laughs> I IQ, Ray. <laughs> Here, here's, well, you respond and then I'll respond because I know what I want to say. Well, um, I, I find Ben Simmons the most annoying person in sports, uh, and he's been that for some time. Um, but I saw an, a, a, something that was written in one of the New York papers uh, talking about Ben Simmons a couple weeks ago, and they're referring to his situation. And they said that the problem with Ben Simmons, and he under, they, they, I can, they can understand his reluctance to play in Philadelphia because he was, he was made the scapegoat. He was made the scapegoat for the Sixers' elimination in the playoffs last year, he was made, was he? Yeah, yeah. That there was it, that Ben Simmons was made the scapegoat for the Sixers falling short in the playoffs last year. So it, it none, he had nothing to do with it. They just they just blamed him for everything that went wrong. All right, here's my uh, opinion on this. Anytime somebody can just can you pl- just play the beginning of it? You know the part I want to hear. Just play the part I want to hear. My IQ so high. There you go. <laughs> right. Anybody who has to tell you how smart they are is not smart. Right. Anybody who has to tell you how brilliant they are, how clever they are, whatever, if they feel the need to persuade you, Mm -hmm. it's because they don't really believe they're that smart. But they want you to believe they're that smart. And so I think he's a a fraud. I think, you know— I don't know what's going to happen there. We we wish disaster for him. Of course, yeah. But it's just so in his nature, and I don't. You had to see it, right? He's wearing the sunglasses now, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the twenty thousand dollar jumpsuit that right. he's gone on, right? A tracksuit, and uh, you know the 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 jewelry and the whole thing, mm-hmm. and and the, and the that stoic facial expression that you just want to punch him in the mouth, right? You know, my IQ is so smart that it's not going to be a problem. <laughs> All right. Anyway, uh, I, All right, that was good. I wish somebody had just followed up with him and said, oh, like, could you walk us through, like, uh, passing that dunk off to Matisse Stiebel? What kind of calculations were you going through in your always. head? That will or- always be the, the <laughs> meme in this town. All right, what do you got next? Unbelievable. All right, so uh, this is uh, more uh, on a sad note. I wanted to kind of tee you up on this one. Uh, I'll take you back. I'll set this up with a clip here. This is the Stanley Cup mm. Game 2 1978 Montreal Canadiens versus the Boston Bruins. Robinson au centre. Robinson à la fleur. So that was a that was a French call there, Guy Lafleur. Yeah, he even did it in French. Yes. Uh he just passed away yesterday at age 70, Glenn. I will uh yeah, well, and, I, and I'll I'll go quick and go to Ray because we both. So I grew up a Buffalo Sabres fan, as you know, and um, didn't particularly like the Canadians, but respected their greatness. But Guy Lafleur was one of those few guys who, even if he wasn't on your team, you would root for him. Was so compelling and exciting. This is before everybody wore helmets. I'm not advocating that, but gosh, Ray, watching Guy Lafleur. Zoom down the ice with his hair flying behind him was just so thrilling. And and any game he was in was compelling. It was. And he was, um, as you said, it was an era of hockey when most of the guys weren't wearing helmets. So you could recognize everybody. And they certainly had a distinctive look about them. And Lafleur had the look of the, of the flowing hair 
literally blowing in the wind because he skated that fast. And it sort, it sort of accentuated how fast he was. It sort, it sort of it sort of drove home the mm-hmm. point that he was just faster than everybody else because he looked faster than everybody else. And what a great player he was. And I remember I was covering hockey back at that time, and the Flyers played their share of big games against the Canadians. And I remember they sent me down to do a piece about Guy Lafleur. Uh, and the thing I'll remember is when I, when he came, I, when he showed up at the Montreal Forum for our scheduled interview, and he showed up right on time. He came in the door smoking a cigarette. <laughs> I, I was not expecting a little that. incongruous. There. I was not <laughs> expecting that. Now I knew that there, there had been references to him that he smoked, but I didn't expect him to come walking into the forum smoking a cigarette. Um, but he was typical of a lot of a lot of great players and hockey players. He was very very soft spoken and. Not a particularly good interview, um, yeah, well, but my God, what yeah. a great player. A lot of hockey players were just happy to be here. Yep. All right, one more. Okay, one more. So uh, this was a little bit of news out of the Miami Heat camp. Last night, Kyle Lowry appeared to have injured his hamstring, mm-hmm. uh, putting his status for game four a little bit in question. Now, there's a little bit of a ripple effect, uh, ripple effect here as I see it. One, uh, this is going to... Likely, you know, it could help extend the Hawks series. It was already extended last night with uh, Atlanta's win. And that's a good thing, I think, for multiple reasons. Just because, one, I'm not sure how much rest will help in this case with Joel Embiid. uh, But giving him another week off if we do, in fact, pull off the sweep today, I think is going to be good for everybody. And also, just before uh, this Game, this series here, Doc Rivers mentioned that we sort that week off sort of gave him an opportunity to have like a mini training camp and get all the guys sort of together and uh, in a in a rhythm. I think another week off could maybe work wonders for this team and uh, getting them prepared for the uh, Miami Heat. Series. So you got the Kyle Lowry injury. Yeah. So Atlanta's going to take a couple games. I hope so. Yeah. Go seven. Yeah. Sixers get to relax. Yep. Embiid gets to heal. Mm-hmm. Doc gets to bond. Yes. All is well. Yes. <laughs> okay. And by the way, you, you you still think Miami wins the series? Uh the 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 Atlanta series. Yeah. Yes, I do think they will end up pulling it off. But I I'm just looking at okay. it as the Got the it. more rest, the better. And by the way, I agree with that. By I, the way, okay, uh, it makes sense. It makes sense. And I I'll just say this: I don't know that I want to see Atlanta again. No, I, I know was, it's a new year and the whole too. thing, but it's like. Yeah, I would rather play the Heat. Yeah, I, it's weird. I just Atlanta series last year, and, and Sixers are a different team now. But I don't know. Well, that's good thinking. I like it. All right, there you go. Uh, what and one before we wrap it up, uh, Alex Ovechkin becomes the oldest NHL player to score fifty goals. Ninth at, time at, at age thirty six. Ninth time he did yep. it. Yeah, yeah, great player. Yep. Um, Although I think they should ban all Russians from the league right now, but that's a whole separate issue. Mm-hmm. Um, Ray Dinger, you are going out to a book signing. Tell the people about it. I am. Uh, I am on my way. When I leave here, I'm on my way up to Collegeville, uh, lovely Collegeville, at uh, 